hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Thank you guys so much for starting the week off with Break the Cycle. Uh, I hope you will stick around for all the shows, but this show, this is the show that you couldn't miss this week, I promise. Uh, anyways, let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. And my friend, my partner, coolest guy you know, toplobster.com. For all your wonderful graphic design needs, where you can get this awesome uh, Ron Paul for Congress shirt that I'm wearing tonight, or this great custom Break the Cycle pillow that you too can have on your couch during my couch streams, use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount, or join the Patreon, the Subscribe Star, or become a member of the, the YouTube channel to get into the Discord server where he drops his designs up to two weeks before anybody in the general population sees them at like a 30% discount for uh, uh, um, supporters of the show, so... Really, if you're, if you're one of the smaller tier supporters, it pays for itself after a while. And, of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, uh, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check these people out today. See what they can do for your home, your business, or your personal life. They're doing God's work against the Antichrist. Uh, no, they're doing a job that the government sucks at. Uh, much cheaper and much more efficiently. Guys, we got a great show for you tonight. I'm very excited. Uh, I had the guy who lives in his shadow on the show in like the first couple weeks I was on on uh, on, on the interwebs. Uh, but today he's a stand-up comedian. He's the king of the cocks, the lord of the sandwiches. He is uh, uh, the host of Run Your Mouth podcast and co-host of Part of the Problem with Dave Smith. He is Robbie the Fire Bernstein. How you doing today, sir? I just I appreciate a man who actually gets all my titles correctly. Yeah. You know, sometimes I go on podcasts, they drop some of them, or they don't like quite give it the gusto. You clearly, you sat down, you did your homework, you researched it, and you nailed the landing. So I, I appreciate the nice welcome because I've left podcasts. Dude, I've, I've gone. Like people have hit me up, booked me three months out. They don't address me as King of the Cocks, Lord of the Sandwiches. I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of here, dude. Well, where the fuck's the respect? I come on your podcast. I say that I'll guest on it. You don't even get my fucking titles right. Also, dude, at first I was like, why does this guy frame it where he's showing off pillows? But now I get it. I like the top lobster guy. He does some great work. Yeah, it's well, it's the it's the couch streams, man. That's what we call it the break the cycle couch streams. Uh, so so you got to show off the whole couch. You got to show off the couch. You got to make it look comfortable, inviting. You know, you want people. Your to couch think. is perfectly terrible size where it can't actually have three people. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like it's too it's too. And I've had one person on the show. Well, I've had two in person shows. I had my mom uh, did a show in like the first month or so that we were doing shows, which was kind of cool. I like red pilled my mom on the show, and then uh, I also had a. Was she uh, just being nice though? No, sometimes moms will just, uh, you know, turn around and agree with you just because they don't want to make you look bad on your own show. No, I don't know. Maybe you got a nice mom. My mom's not that nice. She'll just tell you, you know, my mom doesn't agree with me on anything. When my mom, uh, she said, she said, uh, I'm not really a libertarian. I'm a lovertarian. She's a hippie. You know, she's an old school. Mom hippie. sucks. I just want you to know that. <laughs> just right up front. I almost vomited in my own mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the whole point is that I've got better ideas for how to make other people's lives better. Great. Do well with all your love. See how that socialism, socialism does for you. I just want everyone to feel good about themselves. Yeah, so do I. It's not the way life works, you dumb fucking hippie bitch. I'm sorry. I don't actually know your mom. My but mom is in like the chat right now. Yeah, well, well, hi, hi, um, hi, mom. Um, I'm disappointed you didn't make brownies for the podcast. I feel like your son was having a guest on, and you could have been more welcoming. You could have made some. You're, you're a nice hippie lady, and you know, keep doing you. Yeah, she's she's uh she watches every show, man. She's like uh she's one of the the premium members on YouTube and chills with everybody in the chat. She's well, actually your mom actually is supportive. Yeah, she's and, and she's actually like it's funny because my mom. My mom is pretty – she was, like, pretty conservative for a long time, even though she was, like, a, a kind of a hippie, you know? She's, like, a hippie conservative. But so that's where I think she – It's because she didn't want you knowing she was banging people, dude. Yeah, or that she was smoking pot, for sure. That's the that's the big one. I used to I used to be like, what's that smell, you know, when I was a little kid? What's that smell? Is somebody smoking something in the house? But uh, we already got two uh, – we already got two uh, Super Chats. Lou Von Mises' pieces said, Fiverr for the King. Sorry, he's but a mere pe peasant. Uh, Almighty Beach, $5. He said, if stand-up was an Olympic sport, would you medal no i wish maybe i'll get there at some point you know but uh that's uh that is a very good question and i would have to give an honest critique that no there's there's people significantly better than me at the moment you got louis ck he's still alive got doug stanhope he's still out there doing it got dave Chappelle still out there doing it oh, you go into a club on a random night some people are just fucking killers that have been doing it for 40 years so 
But what's nice about stand-up, it's unlike the Olympics. It's not like you can just be 25 and then, you know, your body turns to shit. So who knows? Maybe when I'm 50, you know, I'll get there. But at the moment, no. But good question. You're still a young guy. You're still a young guy. Um, yeah, but I don't age that well. So we'll see, you know, <laughs> 50 to 55. That's going to be my window. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some people that don't, Oh, look, my, my fiance dropped a $2 super chat says she loves me. And I figured that's, that's really nice. Uh, your anyway, family watches this. I'm performing for your family. Right yeah. Now. Just, just my family and the, the other, I don't know, 40 or 50 people in the, in the, in the, in the uh, chat right now. But, uh, so I know a question, at least that my, my, uh, patrons really wanted to hear is like, they want to know your backstory. Like, how'd you come to this? Libertarian thought. I mean, you're pretty. I mean, you're pretty libertarian. I, I know that there's been some. There's been some of the libertarian ideas that maybe you weren't totally on board with. But what what was it that you know? What was it the issue that kind of drove you to that direction? Um, I would say that there's uh, <clears throat> there's been like a lot of things along the way that kind of uh, you know, I, I would say drew me to it. Um, one of the biggest ones I would say, firstly, growing up, I was a big weed smoker, and uh, when I was in high school. Like it was like illegal, illegal. Like you could get in real trouble. Like we almost forget how much trouble you could get in for smoking weed. Uh, And so if you, like me, smoked weed in high school, you had a very early lesson that government's not your friend because you knew, hey, I'm not I'm not a criminal. I'm not hurting anybody. Like, sure, I'm an idiot and I don't like going to school and I like smoking weed, but this should not be an activity that the government can get me in trouble for. So I would say that's the first kind of piece of the puzzle is that like if you're smoking weed in high school, I know that that's not like the most dignified answer, but I can just tell you, like, you just learn government's not my friend. Like these are people that will put me in jail because I don't like life. And so I found this thing weed. And so I'm wasting my time smoking it. But these people are not my friends. I would say kind of the first introduction is just being a high school podhead and realizing they're not your friend. Um, I would say the next thing is that I, I was kind of what you would call an old school New York Democrat which is kind of fiscally conservative and socially liberal. And you start realizing that like that philosophy is actually not represented by either party. Um, And so part of what like started kind of opened my mind up to the fact that libertarians even existed was Doug Stanhope, who uh, if you've never gone through Doug's earlier catalog, um, he's got specials where he's got unbelievable jokes on Liberty. I mean, he's he's got like amazing. Yeah. He's, he's the best to do it. And he's got, um, two hours to three hours of content of just liberty oriented jokes that like, I never heard a libertarian before. Uh, so that was definitely a piece of the, like, you know what I mean? Like they're like little notches as you go. So that was definitely a piece of it was like even learning that libertarians existed. Um, and then I would say the next thing is I do have like a finance background. Um, and in college kind of learning about credit asset bubbles and just kind of learning a little bit more about, uh, the way money works. So and then later on, I found uh, David Stockman's book, The Great Deformation, because I used to like reading uh, um, the New York Times Sunday Review. I used to be a real I mean, I still am a fucking idiot, but like I used to I mean, I used to drink a lot more and I was bored and I just kind of started reading Sunday Review because I was like, I just got to like read more. I feel like I feel like being miserable is your own stupidity in a way, because there could be good information out there that would like cure your own misery. You just have to actually sit down and you know, read and like try and see if maybe there's information you don't have that would make you a happier person. So the Sunday review is like an easy thing to read because it was just kind of like short academic essays on every topic. It was I, I haven't read it in years, but it was it was interesting. And they quoted David Stockman's book, The Great Deformation. Have you ever read that, by the way? I have not read that. No. Uh-uh. So it was interesting because they just started kind of talking about um, the financial apparatus that really empowers the i'm going to use some alex jones language here but the global elite and instantly the way that they were just describing money i was like you know what that's kind of always the way i thought about this system i've just never really seen it put into words uh and so this is a funny story i started reading david stockman's book the great deformation and i knew dave at this time uh, and Dave was always Mr. Smarty Pants at the comedy club. And he's always like, just kind of knows everything. He's talking about everything. And I was like, I'm going to show Dave. I'm smarter than this motherfucker. Look, I'm reading David Stockman's The Great Deformation. I showed it to him. I Like, I was showing off. I was like, Dave is going to be so impressed. This asshole thinks he's so smart. And I'm reading the bitter literature. And I showed him the book. And he's like, oh, yeah, I read that. That's a great book. I was like, you read this? I was like, how the fuck? You didn't fucking read this? No one else is reading this. I'm the only person in the world who sat down to read this giant fucking book. So anyway, me and David had already been friends. And uh, I would say over time, doing doing the podcast definitely you know changed my opinions on uh, certain topics. But I would say that's kind of the... Um, some of the stepping stones that have brought me here. 
Sure, sure. Do you do you do you have kids yet? Robbie, you don't have kids yet, right? Um, I mean, maybe like I could have some floating out there. I've definitely nutted in some chicks when I was drunk and didn't wrap it up. I actually hope I hope I got kids out there because, you know, procreating, it's expensive, makes me nervous. But I think it's something you're supposed to do. So I really hope some people track me down when I'm 40 and, you know, they know that I don't have any money for them, but they just want to be like, what's up? I'm your offspring. And I'll be like, oh, good. You're already like an adult. I don't have to deal with you. Um, so I hope that I might have a couple floaters out there and I hope they're living a good life and that they also find weed when they're in high school and, you know, jerk off a lot. But I, I can't not on, not on the books on the books. I'm kid free. Sure. Sure. I was just going to say that, you know, now that Dave's uh, working on a second, you're going to have way more time than, to read than he does. So you're going to like you're going to be able to pass him up. You know what I mean? I don't know about that. Dave, uh, no, no, Dave's, Dave's uh, a tier smarter than me. And sometimes I sit down and I try and read some of the literature. It's over my head. Um, I did just pick up, and here's another problem. I get like really into books for the first hundred pages because that's the ADD of me. Like I get really, I'm like, this thing's going to change my life. And then after the hundred, I read 100 to 200. But like, I just kind of not really, like I'm there, I'm reading it, but like, I'm not there. I'm thinking about fucking space or whatever. I don't know, aliens. Um, and so the answer is no, I, I'm not going to surpass Dave because uh, he seems to actually, I don't know when he sits down to read, but he actually can like understand things. Like I know I'm the king of the cocks, but I can't understand Mises for the life of me, dude. I tried reading that book. Shit's way over my head. But I'm reading Capitalism right now by George Reisman, who I found in college, really changed my mind on a bunch of topics. And at least thus far, I'm loving it and I'm trying to invest more time into reading. But at the end, I'm still a dumbass. So it's not that easy for me. I, I feel like I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. Dave's Dave's several tiers above me. There's no doubt about it. So so I totally get it. Uh what there was a there was a good story uh or a good good question about Dave uh for you. Let's see. Uh oh, does the phrase here's the truth make your insides hurt? Does he say that a lot? I've never even noticed <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, so well, the answer is <laughs> The answer is I, whoever's picking up on that one. I never picked up on the use that turn of phrase. So I guess, no, I'm sorry. You're paying more attention on the podcast than I am. I didn't. When does he, does he say that a lot? I, I guess, I guess so. That's what, that's what my patrons were saying. I haven't noticed it either. That sounds like fake news. I feel like I would have picked up on that. I don't feel like that's a overly used expression, but I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Jacob Daniel for PA also wants to know why you uh, give Dave all your good jokes. I don't think I. What, what are these people? Are this is fake news? When am I giving it's, Dave my good all jokes? My, it's all my patrons. I don't know, man. What the fuck know. you talking? Giving Dave any jokes? <laughs> I mean, Dave's a hilarious comedian. He's got his own shit. I don't give Dave any jokes. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's see. Might be wrong. Uh, dropped a two dollars super chat. He said, "Are you hanging with Bargates in Nashville?" What the fuck are your listeners talking about? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know what, what is Bargates. <laughs> I, I am know. excited to go to Nashville. Summer poor store, dude. August 14th. That's going to be an absolute blast. Yeah, how's, uh, what, where are you going? Where are all you stopping for that? <clears throat> so, I mean, I've never been to Nashville, so I'm definitely excited to kind of booze around that city and catch some live music. But um, a friend of mine who's done the podcast, his name's CPU God, and he's, like, really good on the tech topics. He um, – he did a whole presentation on Run Your Mouth, really breaking down uh, the COVID passports and how they were a um, really flagrant usage of the blockchain. Um, and it was a really good analysis. We're going down there. He bought himself a farm to get out of Brooklyn. Like, he's really doing it. Like, the guy's doing it. You know what I mean? He looked at what was going on in New York City, and he's like, I'm getting out of here. He bought himself uh, – it's twenty only 20 minutes out of Nashville, but I, I guess it's an unorganized territory, which are – libertarian spaces without local government, um, which I'm not too familiar with how those work. I, I But anyways, he's got 10 anchors. He's got a farm. We're going to do stand-up out there. We're going to do a live podcast. And uh, if you're in the area, dude, Summer Porch Tour. It's uh, Everyone should make the journey. It's like going to where – do where do the Muslims go? They go to Mecca once a year or whatever. So it's like that, Summer Porch Tour. You, you got to visit one porch. You don't have to go to every porch, but you got to do it once. And uh, – it changes people's lives. They, they're, they're, they're changed for, for life, for the better. Blind people can see now. Like, we've really – we've made an impact, and I think it's important to visit at least one porch on the tour. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he – I guess he clarified uh, Bargatze. Oh, Nate Bargatze. Oh, you know what? I, w I wish I was friends enough with him to I've, – I've been in the same room with Nate a couple times. Uh, Nate, if you're not familiar, absolutely hilarious comedian, and he's good friends with, like, Dave and Lewis, but – he kind of was already out in New York by the time I met Dave and Lewis. So I haven't really hung out with Nate. Like, um, I'm sure if he was getting up at a club through Dave, I could probably go see him, which I would. He's a hilarious comic. I'd love to see him live and a great joke writer. But I don't I don't personally know Nate to hit him up and hang out with him. 
Nice. Okay. Well, I don't know who he is at all, so maybe I need to. You should check him out. Really yeah. great comic and uh, clean, like odd, odd cat, because he just he's, he's doing it completely clean, and he's like he's really funny. Oh wow! Nice, nice. Not a lot of clean comics out there, man. That's not that's not a normal <laughs> thing anymore. Uh, let's see a couple more super chats. Level Zero said he's still pissed off. Doug Stanhope didn't get the LP pre- presidential nomination in two thousand eight. Uh, Top Lobster, sure, sure. That's like my tagline. That's what I say all the time. Uh, Top Lobster says Robbie's set at Porkfest was stronger than Dave's. Oh shit! I'm gonna say that's fake news, but thank you, thank <laughs> you that uh, that you appreciated it. Dave's Dave, Dave's a hilarious comedian, and uh, everyone should go watch Libertas because that is a um, it's up there with Doug Stanhope in terms of like, firstly, it's unbelievably funny, and it also really uh, dives into the ideas of liberty. But um, Top Lobster, I love your artwork, I love the support, so thank you. But fake news, <laughs> uh, Nick Ashley. Five dollar super chat. He says, "I don't have a question. Just tell Robbie. I hope he cures his AIDS." Thank you. I'm working on it. You know, I'm trying to take more cum in my asshole. That's what I figure. I figure that if the first batch of cum gave me the AIDS, there must be another batch of cum that can um that can cure it. So I just try and take as much cum up my ass, and I hope that at some point it neutralizes the AIDS batch. Um, I haven't found that yet, but you know, I'm out there. I, I'm in the East Village. Sometimes I'll just bend over on a street corner and be like, hey, I'm looking for some more AIDS come. That guy's plowed my asshole a couple times. So I'm doing everything I can to try and cure the AIDS. And once again, I appreciate the uh, the support. So thank you. Really trying. He's really trying. He's giving it his all. Yeah. He's giving it his all. So let's let's talk about uh let's talk about New York a little bit. I know I know you said you're not staying there anymore, but you do visit. I'm sure you I'm sure you're in the city quite a bit. Uh, I'm in the city right now, dude. You yeah. can't have a warehouse space like this in Connecticut. That's what I do. I just migrate from warehouse spaces. I have my apartment set up like a warehouse. By the way, people like give me shit. They're like, what the fuck's up with the way? I, dude, that's a decorator. That's the way I like to live. I called the decorator. I'm like, can you put in a drop ceiling? Can you make this look like a warehouse? Same thing. This is my office. It used to be real. I was like, you guys got to make it look like because I want to be blue collar. I'm actually like a middle class Jew from Connecticut. You know, I'm not blue collar whatsoever, but I'm trying to do everything I can to look like a real American. I've shaved my head. I do the prison workouts. I drink beers. I don't even like beers, dude. I just do it so that people think I'm like cool and shit. Um, So, yeah, this is a I don't know why I'm rambling about this. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Was there a question? Oh, no, we we were going to talk about New York. And then uh, and then I said uh, I said, you don't stay in New York all the time, but you visit quite a bit. And then you you started talking about your Nike sweatshop. Oh, yeah. My my warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is my work warehouse. Absolutely. No, I'm going to say I try to come in uh, most days to pretend like I show up to work and do work and then uh, to do stand up, you know. Oh, so I'm sure. in the city a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh and we're getting some hold on. We're getting some uh some bad Wi-Fi. I don't know if it's you or me, so I'm going to I'm going to uh pause all the kids doing all their stuff upstairs. <laughs> um, oh dude, I hope one of them is beating off right now and you ruin it. How old are your kids? Uh no, <laughs> I have a 9-year-old boy, but he's he but he's not. Yeah, he should be young. Yeah, he yeah, shouldn't be beating off yet. He's a little young. The rest of them are all girls and they're not. They're do, you, right. do you have to like sit him down and be like, listen, at some point you're going to do a lot of beating off and it's only natural, but like you're too young to be beating off right now. So like, you know, hold it on the beating off. I don't know how to have that conversation, man. I So like I, so like my, my boy, I have one son that lives with me that's like six months old. So I have a long time to go. And then I have one son that we, uh, we basically adopted back in October. That's not mine biologically. That's nine. And so I don't like, I don't really know. I don't know how I go about that. Kind You're of not there yet. I'm yeah, not, there. Yeah, I'm not there. Thankfully, I'm not there yet. But uh, I asked, what's the uh, what like foster care rescue? It's like a rescue dog, but a kid. You know, what's yeah. nice about those is that you love them. But like if they fuck up, you know, it's not <laughs> like it's like the rescue dog. You, you were you were just helping them out. Like, like when it's your offspring and you bring them into the world. Yeah. Like I'm lucky enough not to know my offspring. So I don't have to like worry. But it's like that's your responsibility when it's a rescue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know it's what like, I mean? Uh, it's like having a kid, but you get to like it's not as much pressure. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the Dane Cook joke. I, I tried my best. I really did. I gave him my all, and then just send him back. You know? Uh, no, I wouldn't do that to him. We uh, they're actually my my sixteen year old daughters. Two of them are my sixteen year old daughters' uh, um, siblings from my ex wife, and so they're not mine biologically, but they were going to go to uh, foster care. We were able to get custody of them, so. That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 white trash backstory didn't like I didn't compute it, but what you're doing sounds very noble. So God bless. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much, man. So, anyways, let's talk about Cuomo, because uh, he said today that uh, he said today that they're gonna have to start 
going door to door and getting people in cars and taking them to get the vaccine. That sounds a little like kidnapping to me. What about you, man? Well, you see Cuomo, he, um, you got to understand what's going on here. This guy, he just got away <laughs> with all the sexual assault. There were all the fucking claims and he somehow he got past it. Then, right, the DA is so busy investigating every single person that Donald Trump has ever shaken hands with that they're like, you know what? We don't even care if this governor killed people in old age homes. We don't have to look into this. Go look up that news story earlier this week. At least I saw the headline, DA, DA or whoever the fuck would investigate him. They're not looking into the old age home thing. They're like, whatever, dude, it was a pandemic. He killed some old people. So now he's like, he's feeling really good about himself. Are you kidding me? As a governor authoritarian, he just got away with raping women or sexually assaulting women and killing old people. So now he wants to feel his power. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's a fucking governor. And think about what he just got away with. He got away with killing old people. They're not even going to investigate him. So he's like, you know what? Because they're in the game of power. So you might as well see how far you can take it. And pulling people out of their own home, shoving them into vans, and then giving them experimental vaccines, you know, that's probably fun for him to watch. I bet now that he's trying not to rape as much, he'll, pro he'll probably jerk off to that footage. That'll probably be the thing that, you know, like helps him go to sleep at night. So I get why he's doing it. Like, it's just the natural progression from being governor who gets away from killing old people. Um, you know, it's only a matter of time before you're going to start kidnapping people and shoving vaccines in their arms. Yeah, I wonder. I do wonder if he'll get another Emmy for uh, for that. You know? Who knows? Oh, I bet if he uh, filmed it, that that I mean, that's more interesting than a press conference. <laughs> <laughs> Especially from him, for sure. I yeah. mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the it. van almost seems unnecessary. The van is like just to make it like rapier because that's his thing you know sure. he was like thinking i like wearing emmys i know television i know rape so let's get a van involved the truth is if you're actually gonna vaccine them can't you just do it at their house just kick in their door and fucking vax them you don't really there's really no reason for the van other than just to be creepier about it and that's gonna make that's what's gonna get him the emmy is the van sure yeah well i so here's the thing i, I mean they you know, a lot of these states are like just giving things away to go get the vaccine. They're like, here, we're going to give you a lottery. We're going to give I'm you working on a joke about that, dude. Right. I, I got I got two angles on it. The first angle, and this one's funny, was the first time I heard that announcement was I was in Grand Central and they offered free train tickets. And I was like, who was <laughs> like, I don't want an experimental vaccine, but I did always want to ride the train. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who yeah. is that convincing? The subway the in New York? Yeah, yeah. like who is like, I mean, it's a $15 train ticket. No, it wasn't even the subway. It was Metro North. And then the, my other angle on it is like the vaccine is supposed to save you. Right. And it's already free. So like this, this is suspiciously free. I feel like that's like if you were bribing a kid that if he ate his dessert, he'd get more dessert. You're like, something doesn't add up here. Like he's already eating chocolate cake. You don't have to offer him ice cream for more chocolate. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's already fucking free. What is going on here that you're offering free stuff in order to take the thing that's good? You know what I mean? Like something's not adding up. Something's fishy about that. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. What if you? What if it was like free sandwiches every day for a, for a year though? Man, I'm not touching this vaccine. I'm not touching this vaccine. But it's um, it, it's two factors. One is at some point they push hard enough where you're like just to feel like a free individual. Like no, like I I just got to draw the line somewhere. And on top of that, like I mean, I can go. I've done. I've done hours of content on Run Your Mouth of um, anti-vaccine talk, um, but the most recent thoughts just floating around in my head around uh, about it is that I can just tell that they're lying to us. The fact that they are now saying that 12-year-olds need to get it is just not true. 12-year-olds should not be getting this. That's a dangerous decision. And so if I know that they're lying about that, like, I mean, what exactly is the extent that they're lying to us about it? What are the ramifications? I can't tell you for sure. I just know that they're lying. The most recent lie is with the Delta variant that they're not even tracking. Here's a crazy stat. So they're not tracking. Um, they're only tracking serious illness. Now, what is, I, I just had Corona. I'm, I literally just had Corona last week. I had Corona. I was on my ass for two weeks. Now, I didn't take a call with any government officials. I didn't check myself into the hospital. So technically speaking, there would be no data to say that I was severely ill. That wouldn't exist. So how many people, because they're not tracking the stat, how many people that got these vaccines are now um, falling victim to the Delta variant, right? They're also not tracking, like, is the Delta variant something that is more highly transmittable, but just less people are dying from? It, it, like, here's the stat that they should have. In hospitals, right, people that are being hospitalized for corona, is there a significant uptick in 
um, individuals that haven't been vaccinated because their claim is basically that people would be more sick if they hadn't been vaccinated. But how do you quantify that? Right. And they always lied about the utility of the thing because they were talking about, hey, it's 95 percent effective, which was pricing in your natural immunity. So I, I, I like I'm just telling you that the topic will get boring. I, I got 40 more talking points on this. I can just tell you that they're lying to you about the efficiency of the thing. So I personally wouldn't touch it. I think you're putting risk on your plate by touching it. I know that they're lying to us. They're not just lying to us. I mean, it, like you look at Fauci's ties to the medical industry. Oh. You're talking about like the most sophisticated players in the game. And then on top of that, when they start pressing on you, like you can't work your, I, I don't know. At some point it's like you, you want to, I, I don't know, even like uh, there's element like, all right, I love like a bran muffin or an, I, I eat a lot of like Lenny's and Larry's cookies. There's no way those are healthy. They're fucking cookies, but they lie to me. And I feel like I'm being healthy when I eat it, right? That's kind of like what I'm, the illusion of freedom that like to some extent you just want to feel like a free individual. When you got some product that you haven't proven to me is good, do, it seems like it carries risk, doesn't seem like, I, I know three people that were vaccinated that have now gotten the same coronavirus as me and were as sick as I was. I don't think there's a utility to this thing. I think you're putting unnecessary risk on your plate unless you're like, you know, fat and old. If you're fat and old, that's a different conversation. Go talk to your doctor, probably work on not being fat and old. But if you're fat and old, maybe you want to get these vaccines because, you know, you're fat and old. And so horrible things might happen to you. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is I would press significantly hard um, against taking it in any capacity just in part because I'm, I am a little contrarian. They're telling you you have to do it. What would change my mind is if somebody gave me a signed document that said that they were going to take the risk upon themselves for any financial damages that might come um, from having taken this vaccine. So if like if I work for a corporation and they told me, like, you're going to be fired unless you get this. And I say, fine. So if you say that this is healthy and you say that there's no risk involved, great. So here's a document. And if you sign this, that you will pay for any medical damages that might occur as a result of taking this. Like you say that this is safe. So if you're willing to take the risk, you're saying there's no risk. You should have no problem signing this document because you feel that it's risk free. Um, but don't tell me that it's risk free, but I have to take the risk. So that that would be the condition that I would take it in because I, I figure I'm going to get Alzheimer's anyway. So if I can blame it on the virus and make some money on the backside, it's probably a good idea. I'm a Jew. I think about these things. Let's sure. fucking sue people. Um, no, I mean, honestly, that's what would get me to take the vaccine. Is it like if you're telling me it's risk free, then you should have no problem uh, presuming that risk. Don't don't tell me it's risk free and I have to take the risk. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. like if you really feel that it's risk free, if you really do feel that way and you feel that it's beneficial for society to get it, then you can take the risk. And I, I don't know. Well, let's have a lawyer draw up the document that says any um, health consequences that exist down the line as a result of taking this, you'll compensate me for. Yeah, I agree. And and something that's really been like kind of weighing heavy on me, they're like, they're talking about this Delta variant and how it's like, it's spreading all over and everyone's getting the Delta variant. It's making people much sicker, but it's like, is there a separate test for the Delta variant? Is that something that they, I don't think there is. You know what's odd? I mean, I just, I just got sick with Corona and I was almost annoyed that they didn't give me, um, they must on their lab reports be able to recognize it, but they don't, they don't tell you. I mean, it would have been helpful to know. <laughs> excuse me i still have a cough from oh i'm sure i'm sure yeah a lot of people I, well and here's the other thing like almost everybody that i know that has been getting covid in the last i don't know month has been vaccinated almost oh, every single person that i know every single one um all my friends that aren't it, it was always weird to me through the whole thing how all my friends that didn't mask didn't stay home kept doing everything never got coronavirus or, or they just never had like a serious illness that they thought they had coronavirus. And now that they're rolling out all these vaccines, everyone I know that's getting it has had the vaccine. It just really is. It has always been so weird and made no sense to me whatsoever. Because um, it just, it you know, they tell you these. First, at first it was these vaccines work. You can't get COVID with the vaccines. Now it's, well, they just keep you from getting severely ill. But that's not the truth either. I know people who have been on their ass for two weeks that have already been vaccinated that got coronavirus and, and were <laughs> severely ill, you know, so. You got you to gotta fact check me on this, please. I, I, I read everything, I drink, and I'm really stupid. There was a Week magazine um, article that I saw earlier in the week and I tweeted about where they said that there's been a thousand deaths of people that have that have been vaccinated. That strikes me like a really high number for the Delta variant only being around for a month. 
it just strikes me like i mean here's the problem they're not tracking things in a way where you, you can make an intellectual decision about risk versus reward the best example of that there was an article go look it up wall street journal john hopkins um doctor who is pro the vaccines was talking about that any medical journal in the country as they're talking about like is they're talking about that some kids have died as a result of coronavirus, right? But they never quantified that they actually died from having the coronavirus and not from other causes. And so he was saying that any medical journal in the country would not accept these numbers as being children death as a, as a result of the coronavirus. And so prescribing them the vaccine based on these numbers medically is reckless. Go look up that Wall Street Journal article. Maybe I'm not representing it in the, in, in the best possible way. The point is the CDC, though, is purposely not tracking things in a way where you can make like informative decisions about this. Same as I was saying that they're not tracking um, people that are getting sick from this but not getting like severely ill. And on the same note, the 1,000 people that have died that I, and I got that number from the week. Maybe I read that article wrong. A thousand people have died so far that have already been vaccinated. Like what age categories? These are like crucial questions. Are we talking about people with pre-existing conditions? Which vaccines did they take? Is there a vaccine that is particularly bad for the Delta variant? Like these are just critical questions that like if you were actually interested in saving people, you would ask. But very clearly to me, they're not tracking the important figures. They're lying to you and they're trying to push a product. That's just my takeaway. Yeah, it's it. The whole thing's been really strange to me, definitely. And um, you know, if you go on the VAERS website where they report these vaccine injuries, and then if you if you bring up the data from from that website, which is by the way run by the CDC, uh, if you bring up the data from that website, uh, everybody would be like, well. That there's no like way to quantify that those are from that vaccine and this and that. It's like there's thousands of deaths on there, thousands already from the vaccines. Like, like that's those are people reporting that they got the vaccine and then died. You know what I mean? Like that's still pretty terrifying to me, at least. A guy who has probably already had COVID and and is not terrified of COVID. You know what I mean? Like, and most people most people aren't. Now it could probably kill me. I'm kind of overweight, you know, but. I'd rather take my chances than getting some experimental thing. Um, Almighty Beach, thanks for the $5 shout out. He said, Robbie, the fire king of the cocks needs to wear a tinfoil hat. So his 5G AIDS get better signal for us plebs. Oh, because you're a bad idea. Yeah, hey, man, hit me up. Rosnewsman at gmail.com. If you got a tinfoil hat, send them my way. Yeah, your, uh, your video's choppy. Your, your audio sounds great, though. Definitely. I don't know. Oh, it's the AIDS. It, so, uh, someone's downloading computers porn and over technology. There. Someone's downloading porn over there for sure. Uh, <laughs> Might be wrong. Gave another $2 super chat. He said, why hasn't he gotten any YouTube strikes due to the Kovacs yet? I did. I have. I got one. Did you? Yeah, they pulled an episode. Um, I don't remember. Uh, that's a problem. It was already like two months ago. I was really upset about it because I, mean, I even hit them up and said, hey, guys, like, um, I mean, here's what they did. They pulled the episode. They wouldn't tell me specifically what I said that was flagrant. I said, can you please tell me like specifically what was said? And I was like, um, and I said, I have the following information here. I was like, I was pulling from the following articles and I was only asking questions. So I don't understand why they should be pulled. And they just said, no, you have a strike. Um, but thus far, it's only one. So, you know, uh, my account's still active. Go check it out. Robbie the Fire, all one word. Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts that's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over and well yeah that's cool man at least they didn't at least they didn't kick you off completely i know some people who have just gotten thrown completely off and you know like i got friends who were making a lot of money on youtube and stuff and now it's that just, sucks it's all gone dude like i i get pretty worried about it too but all my shit's backed up at odyssey so I'm not super, super worried. In fact, if you guys watch this show, go follow me at Odyssey too, but definitely smash that subscribe button here as well. Um, let's get back into the comedy thing, man. What's, sure. your, what's been your favorite experience during your, your tenure as a comedian? Ooh. 
Oh God, I gotta think about that. I, I I mean, here here's the honest answer. I've got I've got wild ADD, and so it's like whatever whatever's new is kind of what I like, you know. So it, it's the uh, it's an ongoing thing, but just discovering new jokes and having them work that's the thrill of the game. So it's it's not so much like. I, I honestly, I haven't really hit any like really big milestones or benchmarks that I can point to and say, hey, that was like, like it, it, performing for four people and bringing your new jokes and having them work is as much as a thrill as performing for like 900 people and having them all applaud and like love what you're doing, um, which I actually Porkfest is really the only time I've ever played for that big of a crowd. Um, but I, I so the, the, it, it's really just the process. It's like sitting at home thinking I found funny and then like running the experiment. And, uh, so I would say that that's it. It's just, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it's been the same thing since day one. It's, it's trying to find funny. It's, it's the working on it, the crafting on it. And, uh, hopefully you get the opportunity in the stage time to actually work on it. And then like, you know, people laugh and that's it. It's, I don't know. It's like a, it, to me, it's like a spiritual journey just to try and get funnier. So the process. What did you What did you do in the absence of uh, of stage time during over COVID, man? Did you Did you find any new ways to work around that at all? Yeah, no, I, it's in, I I got to be I'm still not getting up as much as I'd like to in New York City. Um, I have I hope I, I mean I can tell you every joke that I have that really works. It took me a month, like start to finish. It took me a month, and it really does take getting up on stage and like reworking things. And even some of like the stuff I've put out um, recently, which I'm proud of. Like I, I, I if I had more reps, it would have been better. I can tell you. Every joke I've at, like, if, if you see me like in a club setting and I do like 20 minutes and like it, I have some shit that's fucking like punchy and it's like joke, 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 like working. That never happens on the first try. Like never. I can tell you it's like a magic trick where it's like you figure out the one word then you figure out the next word. And it's like people don't see that process. They just think like you're fucking funny. But it's like it's a magic trick. You worked it out. You worked out every so I, for me, it, it takes every single night over the course of a month to like figure something out, start to finish. Um, with that being said, I spend a lot more time now. I uh, just kind of like I'm not good. I, 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 I got this little spot by my apartment and like I pace around with I, I've, I've talked about the geese that uh, try and fuck up my joke writing and attack me. But um, I've I think I've become better at just like crafting material with no audience and i think you can see that on um if you're a fan of the run your mouth podcast because i'm like just putting up more of the jokes over there um so the answer is it's a constant process i do not get as much stage time as i'd like but now i spend a lot more time just trying to like hone the shit at home uh working it out on the podcast and then trying to bring it to stages and i'm hoping that over time maybe i fucking figure out the formula to just bypassing that process of, uh, of like getting in front of an audience. But I, I don't know if that's even, I, I don't know if that's possible. You know, we're going to find out. Yeah. That's the journey, dude. That's what I'm describing. That's what makes it so fun. It's an endlessly hard game. It's like, you never quite have a beat. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder uh, like of mute, you know, music, stand up comedy and the restaurant business, like which ones took the hardest hit during COVID. You know what I mean? It's just, it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, I feel What's at least nice to me with my stand-up business is, um, I mean, I don't draw, I don't draw my life income from it, um, which is nice. I, I, for me at the moment, that actually makes me funnier because it's like when I show up, it's not. I, it, it, I'm having fun because I'm there because I love doing it, which um, creates like a, a very different vibe uh, for me. It works for me. Uh, restaurants suck because I, I mean, dude, it, like I have, I have an, a significant investment in my time. And my lifestyle. I mean, I don't have kids. Like, I, I really am living a stand-up lifestyle where I'm trying to make this work. Like, I mean, I, I've really invested my life into it, and it's not where I want it to be yet. But it, like, it will get there, and I have I have time on my side. If you're a restaurant, dude, I, I mean, you've made the financial investment, right? And the government just shut down your business, and like, you're not like me. You don't have a. I have a lean cost structure. There's nothing. Like, you can shut down my business for two years, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. It's like it's more of a like mental commitment where I'm not going to pick up other hobbies. It's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So it's like, you kind of, you can't squash me. You can't, you can try. You're not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm a fucking cockroach of comedy, dude. I'm going nowhere. Never. I'm doing it forever. But if you're a restaurant, like just it, it, like you can't, you can't carry the overhead like that. You got your bills coming in. You know what I mean? Um, so I almost feel, I, I've said this on the podcast. This, this is a pressing thought. I don't want to bum out the listeners too much, I, but I think you'll agree with me on this is 
I actually I feel bad because it, it, it's kind of like divide and conquer where the government's really fucked over some people really bad. And even myself, because I work in sales and I could work completely remotely. I'm lucky. They didn't affect my business whatsoever. Government. And, and by the way, that's not entirely all luck. I've somewhat I remember years ago kind of reading about if you look at where the world is going, it's going to be engineers and people who can sell their products. And basically every other industry is going to be gutted by technology. And I was like, OK, I'm not an engineer, so I'm going to work sales. Um, so it's not you know what I mean? It's not like I, I, I the investments I made with my time are not like entirely random. Um, but there's something very sad to me that everyone who is in a safer, protected industry, such as myself, we didn't really get the backs of the people that were completely fucked by this, which is, I'm not saying I didn't do anything. It's not like I went to protest, hey, let us into restaurants. You know what I mean? None of us did. We all just kind of were like, oh shit, we're lucky. Government didn't shut down the fact, like they didn't tell me I can't podcast from home. I'm okay. And uh, I think the sad reality is that they can continuously divide and conquer and take out industries and everyone's like oh shit you ever play gaga as a kid remember that game galaga no gaga maybe that's just a fucking jew game dude gaga (laughs) was like you would it's um you'd hit the ball right and if you hit the guy's foot he's out that's the whole game uh -uh. oh dude it's actually a pretty fun game i was pretty good at it but i was good at it by being weaselly where the way you won that game if you ever end up in some gaga tournament write this down right now a lot of people they like getting in on the action they like being where the ball is because that's exciting right but the closer you are to the ball, the more likely it is to hit your foot. So the real strategy is you got to stay the fuck away from that ball, right? And then eventually, once everyone gets thinned out, that's when you get active. And then you don't get hit by like a random spike because it just like takes a bounce and you're in on the action. So you got to like stay. I feel like that's kind of the way government is where like it wrecks businesses. But we all kind of realize like, oh, shit, I better just stick away from this thing. As long as I stick away from it, I'll be safe. Um, so I know this was the long winded answer. You see, when Dave doesn't. When Dave doesn't cut me off, I'll fucking rant and I don't shut the fuck up either. Um, I think that something really sad about what happened with the restaurant industry, that it's not like we got their backs. People were just like, okay, I'm lucky. And even the employees were like, I'm lucky I'm getting my check. Um, I'm lucky. I'm lean and mean structure. I'm not going anywhere. I make my money elsewhere. You, you can't you can't take comedy out of my life. But restaurants, I mean, they were they were definitely fucked the most. And I think there's something sad about the fact that we all just kind of let it happen. Sure. Yeah. We, it's funny. Cause when COVID hit, um, it was obviously before we had all the kids, we just had like two and one on the way in the house. Um, I, I specifically, cause they had shut down some restaurants so they could only do like takeout. And so like, I specifically was eating out with my family as much as possible to try and support the restaurants. Um, but then there's people like chef gruel. Are you familiar with chef gruel from California? The guy who did he like started this fund to help all these all these these restaurants that had been shut down in California. He raised, I don't know, like a million dollars or something for restaurants in the LA County area. And um, so, I mean, there was people out there that did what they could. It wasn't like a lot of us could do much. I mean, we could have protested. We should have pro. We probably should have protested a lot more. Um, you know, and and uh, I got really excited in the beginning of this thing when like those protests started in Michigan and shit. I was like. Oh man, people are going to stand up. And then everybody just kind of went home and was like, all right, well, I guess this is what we're going to fucking do now. And just sit at home and watch Netflix and get fat for the next year. Um, but all, I think a lot of us also were kind of under the mindset. It was like, okay, well, 15 days, you know, three weeks. Okay. Okay. Just 30 days. You know, it's just, it just kept pushing it out, pushing it out, pushing it out until finally you're like, holy shit, it's been a fucking year. Now it's been 16 months. You know, there's some, there's some States that are still locked down after, you know, 16 months, 17 months. And, um, it's, you know, I think now's the time probably where some of us should be like, okay, enough is a fucking enough. They're talking about locking California down. New York's probably going to get locked down again, I'm sure. Uh, you know, and then we have all the states that didn't lock down that are doing great, like Florida and, and North, uh, North Dakota and South Dakota. And uh, here where I live in Iowa, they didn't really, they shut down briefly. They, we opened right back up. The mask mandate was bullshit. They never really mandated it no fines or anything like that. Um, so a lot of people went about living their lives and we're doing great. We, you know, we, I think the other day we had like 33 new cases in the whole state, you know, and, and, uh, but then you have places that lock down really badly, like California, and New York that are having these huge spikes again. And it's, and I, I said it earlier and I'm gonna say it again. Look, there's a reason why those states that kind of like let this, let it happen are doing better. It's called natural immunity. And the CDC used to list it as a great way to get herd immunity during a pandemic or, or some other kind of endemic thing. Uh, and they took it off. They took it off the CDC website when they started pushing the COVID vaccine and said, this is the only way to get herd immunity is through this vaccine. This is, 
This is creepy, but uh, this is a. Uh, I heard this from Gene Epstein, who's got a friend who's like actually uh, a doctor in. What, what, I don't know what's the fancy category for like these. Uh, what, what do they call them? Virologists. The doctors. And... Yeah, viral. Whatever the fuck the yeah. smart people are. Yeah, okay. super smart. So, I mean, if you look at this from the outset, firstly, you know, they talk about the vaccines. I would think that, like, I would just think a diversification of immunity would probably be the most helpful as the vaccines aren't necessarily working for the variants. You would think, like, a mixture of natural immunity and the vaccines would probably help. According to um, at least what I understand from Gene, Gene's a really smart guy. You probably should hear this information from directly. Um, the lockdowns and the stalling of us getting from herd immunity is actually what gave the virus the opportunity to mutate. Sure. And so we're actually our failure in thinking, hey, we can control this. And that was really government's doing of saying, hey, we got to lock down is what allowed for these. Um, we, we've allowed the virus to actually progress in a worse way that would not be the natural course. I think you're right. If from the outset of this thing, we said, hey, People in risk categories, you have to stay home or we're recommending that you stay home because this is deadly and people like me and young people are out about and doing their thing. I think you're right. You'd have the herd immunity. We would have taken this thing on. And it's almost crazy. Like if you remember the fucking America of like our minding your it would have been like, guys, we're fucking America and we got to work and we're about freedom and we're about getting through things. And we understand that there's a virus, but there's nothing more American than fucking showing up for work. And not saying, hey, we're going to socialize the country and stay home. Like, that's not what we're about. That's not the country anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you almost like, sometimes you hear, like, the perspective of people. You're like, how, like, whining is just acceptable now. I mean, I I guess I'm a whiny Jew. I fucking complain a lot. But you know what I mean? Like, socially, it's like, like, it used to be like, just don't fucking complain. Be a man. Take it on your chin. Like, we live with a different culture than what you and I grew up with. And that, that transcends race. That trans, you know what I mean? There's just like a different, and it's crazy to me to think about that. We weren't just like, no, this is fucking America. We're free and we're going to work. And I think you're right that it was a losing strategy. But now all of a sudden they're talking about herd immunity again, where people like me that haven't gotten the, um, the vaccines are what's allowing for these mutations and putting everybody else at risk, which is once again, another unquantified thing. And you wouldn't have research to support it, but that's their newest talking point is that, um, we would have herd immunity if everyone was actually getting these vaccines. And it's as a result of the people who are unvaccinated that the virus is finding people that it can infect, spread and mutate. And I'm sure I'm not a scientist, but I'm sure that there's not good data to support that. But that's the newest talk. Well, we didn't start getting any variants until they started rolling out the vaccines. <laughs> which I've always thought was pretty hilarious too. Like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know if that's an accurate correlation because the vaccines, the variants probably might have came out of countries where there was not heavy vaccination rates. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, India, listen, India, it's India said they had the administered thing. two million vaccines already when they started when Delta started coming out, which came from India. Right. Right. So I don't know. It's just it just really blows my mind. The whole thing. There's no way to quantify any of it, really. And and the media is always lying to us about fucking everything. They're the enemy of the people. One hundred percent. You know, we know that they lie to us about the littlest shit to the biggest shit all the time. So you never know what to take as fact anyways. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. It's fucking crazy. Um, Mindy Vaughn threw a $5 super chat. She says she thinks they just stopped using the PCR test because the flu and COVID were both coming back positive. That's why there was no flu. Um, and that was something that, that was another thing. The PCR test was always kind of iffy for everybody. I think, I don't know. No, I think that's definitely true that, um, I've seen these floating headlines. It's not one of the topics I've really, uh, researched, but, um, it does seem like Dave, when the vaccines came out, they made some changes so that there would be less positive cases so that they could report that the vaccines were working. But that's uh, conspiracy talk, not something I really researched to validate. But I definitely saw floating headlines about that they were changing the way the PCR tests were being, um, I, I, I don't want to say administered, but I guess the way that they were viewing the results to try and create less cases. But you, you got you got that that one I'm, I'm iffy on, but there were definitely headlines I saw along those lines. Sure, sure. So let's get let's get back. Uh, sure, sure. I got I, you know now that everybody makes fun of me for saying sure, sure all the time. Like it's all I ever hear myself say. It's fucked up. <laughs> Don't listen to these motherfuckers, dude. You got a supportive mom. You got twelve adopted kids. They're all listening and relying on you. You do you, man. <laughs> yeah, this is hey, this is our second revenue stream, man. This is how we support the family uh, on top of my job and 
all the other shit that I do. But uh, uh, let's get back to the comedy thing a little bit. Who's who's your biggest influences, man? You talk a lot about Stanhope. I I fucking love Doug Stanhope. He's like one of my favorite comedians ever. Um, but, but what are some other big influences for you? Um, I mean, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> I love Stanhope. Uh, Louis C.K. is up there. Greg Giraldo's up there. Patrice O'Neill is up there. Nick DiPaolo's up there. Um, I would say those are the guys that I found early in comedy and really um, fell in love with. Um, and then I had the opportunity of seeing a lot of people work live in New York. Dave's one of those guys. I mean, Dave, dude, when we were back in the LOL days, um, which was just a club of the worst audiences and the most random people. And for one, the fact that Dave was able to take those libertarian topics and get random people to laugh at them was incredible. Uh, but he also just had new material every week of like whatever was going on in the news. Um, so, I, I mean, from the amount of time I spent on the podcast and hanging out with him, I, I mean, he's definitely influenced uh, my perspective and comedy. Uh, and then I'm trying to think who else I've just seen like live in New York and I don't know. It's kind of like a balancing act. I try not to watch that much comedy because you try not to like take from other people or like absorb too much. Uh, but I, I mean, the people who I found early and just fell in love with, it's that list. It's, it's Louis C.K., Craig Geraldo, um, Nick DiPaolo, Doug Stanhope. Do you also uh, jerk off in front of random people with with permission, of course? Uh, you know, I, if I had his dick, maybe I would. Or if I had his power in the comedy, I. Uh, I really haven't even I really haven't had all that many opportunities where I could be like, hey, I'm taking this thing out. I'm just going to jerk off and, you know, you do you. Um, and I feel like you must have had enough sex in your life. Where you're like, you know, what? let's mix this up. So I'm still just had I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's a vagina and you might have sex with me. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm still uh, I, didn't, I didn't grow up having girlfriends or anything. So I'm still I'm, I'm very vanilla with my sex. So, no, I haven't jerked off in front of anybody yet, but. Who knows, dude? Maybe I'll become funny enough where I can get away with that too. Sure. Uh, Almighty Beach, thanks for the, the super chat. He said, how many hours do you craft your material for one hour's worth of stand-up? I don't even have an hour. That's the honest. I mean, dude, it, 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 putting together an hour. I mean, here are the numbers. I'm, I, I might do an um, I might do an end of – if you listen to Run Your Mouth, which I run a lot of jokes on, I would say – it might be a 50 to one ratio of a joke. I tell on my podcast that I would even try on stage. I, I just, it takes time. I don't know. I, what was the question again? How much time? <laughs> how, how many how long hours did... do you craft your material for one hour worth of standup? This is, he's asking me to do math is what he's doing. I've been, no, I've been doing comedy 11 years. I don't I don't even have an hour. Here's your answer at best, at best. If I got up every single night, which I don't, I'm telling you, if I was like working clubs and I got up every single night, I could probably craft an hour a year and it would be f at most three to five minutes a month. And it would take me every month. I could probably, I think every, if I got up every single night, which I'm not, and half of the battle is figuring out how to get up every single night, I could probably create three minutes a month. So what's that? I don't know, 12 months. That's not even, so it'd be two or three years at best. I'm saying if I work my ass off and had the opportunity to get up every night, it would take three years to put together an hour. That was good. That's wild. Uh, might be wrong. Another, another $2 super chat. He says, is Nick DiPaolo triggering to a lot of New York comics? Mm, well, I mean, Nick, uh, listen, Nick's a, I, I, well, I've seen Nick take some hilarious bombs in New York City. If I'm just being like, I, I mean, <laughs> like I once saw him um, slap a, a ball dude on the head and just be like, Jesus Christ, this is almost, I, what was his line? It was something to do with Sloan Gatterin, but it's like, <laughs> this is as depressing as Sloan Kettering over here. Just like slap the ball guy. It's the only time in my life. I, I don't remember the exact line. I literally fell out of my chair laughing. I've oh. never, I've never had that experience. I fell out of my chair laughing. I saw him years ago at the comedy cellar. Um, and this might be nine or 10 years ago. And I, I mean, he was just murdering. And at one point he referred to, um, uh, what's his name? The mayor, uh, which was Bloomberg at the time, is a gay Jew, and I just lost it. I was just like, that's the funniest thing. I never realized how gay Bloomberg was until he said it. And then uh, I always love when people just refer to people as Jews. Like, you ever see Casino? That scene in the desert when he goes, "You fucking Jew, motherfucker, you." I, I remember the first time I saw. It. Anyways, um, what was the question? Pe Sorry, Pesci's I haven't. Savage. I oh, he was he was just asking, uh, is Nick DiPaolo uh, triggering to a lot of New York comics? 
I'm sure. Yeah, I dude. I mean, not that I hang out on mics that much, but I'm sure with the culture now, a lot of people would uh, object to him. But he's one of the best to ever do it. And if he chose to work out in New York City clubs, he would still kill. Sure, absolutely. I have uh, I have another comedian. I'm starting the whole week off with two comedians. I have uh, uh, Chrissy Mayer coming on tomorrow. Are you? She's great. Yeah, she's great. Do you think she's as funny as a man? That's what we're going to suss out tomorrow. That's the whole thing. That's the, I told her we're going to find out if you're as funny as a man tomorrow. Uh, that's great. Um, Chrissy's really funny. I haven't seen her uh, stand up in a while, but um, I mean, she's really funny. She kills. So, no, I love you know, I, I don't know. know death. I think she, I think it'll be fun. Uh, she's, she's great. And I'm excited to have her on. And it's, you know, we need more libertarian comics, man. Like all the time, you know, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And she's got a unique perspective. I don't know if she's like fully libertarian, no. but anyone that, anyone that's just like willing to question the system, and uh, that's the guy who I'm trying to get rid of the AIDS with. Um, anyone who's like just willing, like open tower perspective and doesn't think we're just evil for having a different perspective and <clears throat> has original material. I, I got all the respect in the world for that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, we're getting uh, we're getting close to the end of the the public chat. I, I guess I didn't tell you that I usually do like a 15 minute exclusive chat after this, if that's all right with you. It, it's yeah, like I'm, I'm down. I'm having fun drinking cool. my beers. Let's yeah. do it. Well, in the exclusive chats where you can really let loose and say whatever the fuck you want, because. Uh, oh, because I haven't said crazy shit already. Sure. <laughs> YouTube, Thank, you. Thank YouTube, you for the opportunity. <laughs> YouTube doesn't moderate the uh, the members only chats too much, which is kind of cool. So. Um, but this but, one live though, right? You can't edit me. No, right? this is live. I don't edit. Dude, I've done podcasts and I hate this where like I spent like 40 minutes of gold and they're like, okay, we're going to start. I was like, start. I just did 40 minutes. I was fucking funny. They're like, oh, I can't use any of that. It's like, well, then why the fuck was I here, dude? No, no, I definitely, uh, I definitely do not edit my podcast. Dude, why do you wear hats? You got great head of hair. What nice. are you doing? I know it's nice. I know. It's just getting a little yeah, long. What? I need a haircut. I'm getting like emo going on here. So I you got to show that shit off, dude. Oh man. I'm a, I'm a nasty ball guy. I don't have a fucking choice. Yeah. I, I, I keep this hat on. It's like makeup. I look 10 years younger, but you, you got, you're crushing it. <laughs> it's why are you, why, why are you doing a Hitler comb over? You got good hair. You could be doing anything with I that. Usually, it, like I, so for a long time. So here's the thing I got, I got uh, alopecia several years ago out of the blue. That's just a fancy word for balding, right? Well, no, it's, it's like a, it's like an autoimmune thing. And I like lost my hair in patches all over. Like it's all over the back and all over the top. And so how'd you get it back? What do you blow Satan? Yeah, that's I, I, yeah, I had to blow a lot of people to get it back. No, I, so I, <laughs> I, uh, I used to do this, that, you know, high fade forward in the front and up kind of spiky in the front did that for years. And then when it started falling out in spots, I was like, shit, I need to cover some of these somehow, you know? So I started doing like the, the hard part, like comb over, like they call it the Hitler youth haircut, I guess. I don't know. Everybody's like, Oh, you're an alt right guy now for this haircut. And I'm like, it's a fucking haircut. Shut up. Uh, so I started doing that. And, I, and then I got into politics a lot. I started running for chair of the, of the, uh, the party twice. And, uh, I was traveling all over the country, speaking behind Ron Paul at conventions and shit. And so like, I kept that hair because it was a little more professional than the like forward spiky in the front. Um, and just recently, I went back to the old high fade with the spiky in the front. In fact, I, I had a mullet first. I cut a mullet. I had a mullet for a while, and then I cut the mullet off and started doing that. And then it just started getting long because I haven't got a haircut in a while, and so I've been wearing. How'd you hat. fill in the patches though? It doesn't look like you got patches. It just came. Now. It came back, dude. Like all my hair came. I thought I don't know if it was like caused by stress or something, but it like there was like two years where it was just all falling out in patches, and then. The patches would start off as little spots, and they'd turn into, like, quarter size, and then they'd grow back platinum blonde, dude. Like, brand new baby hair. And then I had, like, these blonde streaks for a long time, and then my hair just all came back and never never fell out again. I mean, I still have a little little spots here and there occasionally, but nothing like it. It was bad, real bad. Um, dude, that's fucking weird, dude. Yeah, well, I found out that there was this big uh, mass lawsuit against the, the Department of Defense for the anthrax vaccine, um, which I took when I was in the military. And uh, that it had caused a bunch of autoimmune shit with, like, uh, vets. And so I'm oh, okay. wondering if that's, you know, that's what happened to me. I don't know. Yeah, if you're in the chat, thumbs up the thumbs up the video, man, so we get a better algorithm. Duh. Come on. You guys know better. Jeez. What did you do in the military? I was, a, I was an ABF, so I worked with fuels uh, in the Navy. I was on the USS Constellation um, during Operation Iraqi Freedom. In fact, uh, we were in the Gulf when George Bush declared war in Iraq. And so... Um, that was, was that like a hooray? We get to actually fucking do something. No, it sucked, dude. I mean, so it was here. I joined the military after right after 9 11 because I was like, oh, I'm going to go fucking fight for my country, you know, like these fucking terrorists. I'm 30, I'm 38. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, pushing, pushing 39. I was, a, I was a baby. Um, 
And so I, so I joined the military and I, I went to boot camp and then I went to school and then I hit the fleet and I was on the USS Constellation and we were supposed to do like a year long world cruise to decommission the, the carrier. It was going to be its last run. And uh, so we did like Hong Kong, Singapore. I'm all stoked because I'm like 18 and like I get to go all the way around the world and see like 30 countries and it's going to be a blast. And so we did Hong Kong, Singapore, transited the Straits, passed Iran and went into the Gulf, and then George Bush declared war, and we sat in the Gulf for like six months fighting this war. And we were like, if you remember the shock and awe campaign, like my battle group was the shock and awe campaign. We dropped like 100 million tons of ordnance on Baghdad, right? Um, and that was what made me a libertarian. So you just sat in the ocean bombing yeah, Baghdad? that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what happened, dude. And, and so what was your I, actual job on the boat? I worked with fuels. I, I fueled and defueled uh, jets and, and helicopters, and then I worked with uh, Q&A stuff with the fuel, and I ended up below decks for a while working on pumps and um, uh, monitoring equipment and stuff. And then uh, when I got back, I was just like, what the, you know, while I was there, I was like, what the fuck are we doing in Iraq, first of all? Like, why are we even here? Right. You know, I thought these were like Saudi nationals via Pakistan that attacked the trade centers, you know. And uh, and so we were we were fighting in Iraq and I'm going, I was just, you know, I started realizing like, I'm like, oh, Baghdad is like a fucking city, like New York City. You know what I mean? Like people live there. There's dreams and goals and aspirations and family pets and shit. And we're just bombing the shit out of them. And uh, there's really no reason for it. And then we kept getting these, you know, they're, you're doing God's work. There's weapons of mass destruction there. He's killing his own people and this and that and this and that. And uh uh that's not at all what was happening <laughs> so uh when i got back i was just very 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 um very jaded on the military industrial complex and that's when i found ron paul was a couple years after that and uh it you know i never wanted to I, i've been anti uh empire anti-military foreign intervention for you know years and years and that's really that's my number one issue i think that's why that's why i like dave that's why i'm a part of the mises caucus is because that's the number one you know, that's the number one issue. And um, I think that ending the Fed and ending the, the empire are the two things that can save this country more than anything else. Um, I, I don't, you know, there's all these other fucking bullshit, like distraction issues constantly, wedge issues, immigration and uh, trans bathrooms and fucking this and that. It's like, no, nah, dude, look, the, the empire and the Fed are the two things that are causing the most carnage and the most damage around the world for this country. And we need to stop it. And so... Um, that's why I appreciate people like you and Dave and, and everything. But uh, we're at the end of this stream, man. And I just gave my whole my whole life story. Uh, why don't you tell these great people what you're up to next, what do you got coming up, where they can support you, how they can find you, all that good stuff. All right. The biggest thing I would say is uh, please check out the uh, Run Your Mouth podcast. That's where I really uh, rant, try and work on my jokes. Uh, Robbie the Fire, all one word on YouTube. We're going video. I also put out a project called The Black Captain, um, which is with my friend Menuhin. It's a, a scripted audio podcast series. A lot of work went into it, and it's a sneakily, secular, secretly libertarian. Uh, that is up for purchase. It was, it, I mean, it took like two years to put together. It's a, it's a work of art. It's really, uh, I promise you, if you listen to it, you'd be impressed. I wrote an entire movie, and my friend is like incredible uh, audio engineer. It's really impressive. Uh, part of the problem and uh summer porch tour so you know if you're out in nashville that's gonna be the last gig of this summer i promise you everyone should make the journey to at least one porch and uh you can follow me on twitter hit me up i can get you the information robbie the fire yeah man uh, fuck, dude nashville i think nashville's only like nine hours away from here to drive man there you go dude you should be seeing one porch you should be there for it i should i should maybe, maybe cha we change lives dude maybe i can convince my fiance to let me just drive down there for for the weekend or something Hell yeah, dude. You yeah. come come to the forum. Come hang out. Hell yeah, man. Uh, well, Robbie, I appreciate you to death, man. I'm a big fan. I know all my viewers are big fans of you, big fans of you as well. Uh, if you just hold on one second, I will end this stream and we will start the exclusive stream for members all right, let's only. Let's do it. All right, cool, man. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate you coming on. All right, guys. Uh, another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Robbie's so cool. Uh, he's hilarious. You guys should definitely go follow him. Definitely go support the man. Uh, help him become an even bigger comic so he has to spend even more time writing 15 minutes worth of of, of comedy, you know. Uh, great guy. But anyways, make sure you check out our sponsors at Lorenzotti.coffee for all your delicious Italian coffee needs. Delivered directly to your door. Bring the taste of Italy home. Use BTC at checkout for a 10% discount. Drywall, oh, thanks for the $20 super chat, man. I appreciate you. Uh, Toplobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend. Check him out for all your great graphic design needs like this 
awesome uh, Ron Paul for Congress shirt that I'm wearing tonight from 1974 but he made it look cool it's new uh or you can join the patreon the subscribe star both of those are backslash break the cycle js uh you get all kinds of other cool swag uh or become a channel member here where you get all these great um custom emojis that you see in the chat plus all these cool badges that show how long you've been a member uh that might be something cool for you if you're somebody who's always in the live chats with us um and uh but you also get into a discord server that will give you uh two weeks prior uh you to being released to GP, you'll get top lobster gear, uh, new designs. And he just dropped a lot of really cool stuff like, uh, uh, the Joe Biden, Adrena Chrome, uh, baby onesie, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, you get it at a 30% discount. So really deep discount. Of course, executive producers of the show, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your home life, business life, or personal life. Did I say that? I messed that up? Maybe I messed it up. I don't care. Uh, they're doing great work. They're doing a good job that, uh, the government sucks at much more cheap and much more efficiently. Uh, coming up on the show, the rest of this week is going to be awesome. Tomorrow we got Chrissy Mayer, a hilarious comic. Yes, she's as funny as a man. Uh, we are going to have a good show with her tomorrow. On Wednesday, episode number 69, which everybody says I should have made Robbie the Fire, uh, but it will be per Byland. That's going to be a really cool show. We're going to talk uh, uh, entrepreneurship and economics. And, of course, my good friend from the LNC on Thursday, Karen Ann Harlos, will be on for episode number 70. And Friday, the man himself, the president of the Mises Institute, Jeff Deist, will be on the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see if uh, if I can keep up with him. He's a very smart guy. But we're definitely going to talk Southern California hardcore because I know that that man played in some hardcore bands, and uh, so did I. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Guys, I appreciate you. Please sign up. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, help me kick that algorithm up so we can keep getting bigger and bigger and, and, and all these great guests keep wanting to come on. Uh, I was lucky enough to just book for the first week of August. Um, Mark Pellegrino, who played uh, who played uh, Satan, Lucifer on Supernatural, and also Jacob on Lost. He also founded the Capitalist Party, so we're getting some really cool guests. I'm very excited. I will see you guys tomorrow for the show with Chrissy Mayer. Until then, don't forget to break the cycle. to explain the lyrics of my last song they seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse of the brain but i just landed in minecraft the helicopter part was in reference to gta 5 and the things you do so any violence you commit i am not an excuse because i just landed in minecraft what chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless it's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft You're nothing I mean, you know it No product is getting close to COVID Holy shit, I think I'm a poet